I have uh, proposed to you that Buddha activity is living in stillness and silence. And living in stillness and silence is Buddha activity. Which is the same as saying Zazen is living in stillness and silence. And living in stillness and silence is Zazen. Zazen is Buddha activity. But in most uh, Zen centers, the word Zazen seems to be more common than the word Buddha activity, which can lead to some confusion because some people think Zazen is something that they do, but that they can do by their human agency. It's the Buddha activity is how your human activity <coughs> is inconceivably and imperceptibly in accord with all things and fully resonating throughout all time. That's the Buddha activity of your sitting. The life of imperceptibly harmonizing with all beings is not something that we do by our conscious human um, intentions. But our conscious human intentions are that way. They are they are unceasingly liberating beings and living living beings are unceasingly liberating our human consciousness that process is going on in stillness and silence so i pray that this great assembly remembers stillness and silence and receives it. Allows it. Practices it and transmits it in all of our ordinary daily activities. The stillness is not something that we make. So we do sit down and we do sit still and it seems like we, we sat there and we sat still. But the stillness that you think you made or that you did, that's not the stillness that I hope you remember. I hope you remember a stillness which isn't made by you a stillness that isn't constructed by human beings, but it's a stillness that's always here and in which Buddha activity is functioning. And we, li- we can live there 
And if we can allow and receive this stillness and silence, that helps us not push away our human agency, our human intentions. It frees us from them without getting rid of them. Human intentions have a little bit of difficulty adjusting to living with something that they don't make, that they don't do something about. But we don't make stillness. It's unmade. It doesn't come or go. And again, in this stillness is where the Buddha activity, Zazen, is <coughs> living and functioning. One story which I bring up often is a story <coughs> about an ancient teacher named Yun Men. And I think he asked, he asked his group, I think, uh, what was the Buddha's activity during his whole lifetime? Of course, the answer is the Buddha's activity was Buddha activity. But his answer was, an appropriate response. Literally, uh, three characters, meeting each teach. So whatever Buddha met, Buddha taught in an appropriate way for that person. That's what the Buddha is doing all the time. imperceptibly according with people, and in that according with them, teaching them by that accord. The appropriate response is living in stillness. So in stillness, when we meet, the appropriate response comes up. And now I'd like to apply these comments to the situation of uh, meeting evil and the suffering that lives with evil. So again, I would say that when Buddha activity meets evil, it meets it with compassion and teaches it and liberates it from evil. And many people are telling me they really have a hard time <clears throat> with the teaching of meeting evil with compassion. But I am proposing that the Buddha activity, when it meets evil, it meets it compassionately. And that meeting 
brings peace without getting rid of the evil. Buddha accepts the evil, but the accepting doesn't mean that Buddha doesn't respond to it. The accepting is part of what makes possible the appropriate response. The acceptance is part of the stillness. The stillness is accepting the evil. And in that stillness, this appropriate response to the evil comes forth. Buddhists have conversations with evil. But I want to acknowledge that here and there, not very uncommonly, I see in Buddhist texts, get rid of evil. Eliminate evil. Eliminate obstructions to good. Destroy evil even, maybe. You find in some Buddhist texts. And other, and some other places too you can find, like in military texts. Destroy, destroy evil. Destroy the evil people. So I'm, I'm kind of like saying, how about another approach other than destroying evil? How about meet it with compassion, which is an appropriate response, and then meet it with stillness, which is an appropriate meet it in stillness, and let the appropriate response manifest. And this appropriate response is not engineered by my human intelligence, my human intention. My human intention is there, and it also is receiving compassion. It's allowing the stillness. It's not making it. It's allowing the stillness, so it allows the appropriate response. But the appropriate response isn't done by my intention. But my intention is not the least bit someplace else from the appropriate response. I'm right there. I'm allowing my intention to be. I'm, al- I'm allowing compassion for my intention, and I'm allowing the Buddha activity, appropriate response, to manifest, to come forth in, in this, or as this, silence and stillness. <clears throat> and I don't know if I mentioned it here, but I used to be in a situation where I would talk to Zen students, and I used to say, and I think it even still says in the, um, in the admonitions for Sashin at Zen Center, I think it still says, be still. Be silent and still. I think maybe I tried to change that and I was unsuccessful. <laughs> but anyway, I don't say that anymore. But the Eno says it. <laughs> <laughs> be silent and still. I'm more like receive 
remember and receive, allow it. It's not something you do. The silence, I mean, there is a silence which you do, like I close my mouth. Uh, when we, if we fall asleep and our unconscious process is in the mood, it can turn off our consciousness, which is called deep, dreamless sleep. That can happen, and there's no, and it's, the, the, the unconscious mind turns off the conscious mind, but the conscious mind doesn't turn itself off. It gets turned on and off by the body and the complex cognitive processes that live with the body. That turns consciousness on and turns it off. And it can turn it on when you're awake, and it can turn it on when you're asleep, and it can turn it off when you're asleep. And if it turns it off when you're awake, it's very dangerous. Because you might be walking around or driving a car. It's called narcolepsy. So we don't, usually, the unconscious and the body do not turn the mind off, the conscious mind off. We have our eyes open. It's not such a good time. But when we're asleep in bed, it sometimes says, not only are we asleep, but it says, okay, we can actually turn the consciousness off. And so that's a, con that's a silence which is done by our human mind. But there's another silence which is always present. There's another stillness which is always present which is the stillness of the, what we actually are. And again, what we actually are is not moving around. It's, it's thus. And then again, it's thus. And then again, it's thus. It's always the same. It's always thus. Even though you're changing all the time, whatever you are now is not moving. And now, you, and now that person's gone, and we have a new person, and that person is not moving. She is just as she is. She does not make herself. However, she makes the whole universe, and the whole universe makes her. That's immovable. Accepting this Receiving this, remembering this, allowing this, makes possible uh, freedom from the doer, the, the, the one who does stuff. Freedom from self-conscious karma without destroying it. Freedom without destruction. So I, I'm not trying to destroy evil, but I am devoting myself to remember how good it would be to moment by moment be up for practicing compassion to any evil that comes. And conversing compassionately and with whatever evil comes. And this work, <clears throat> and, and it's, I don't know if it's evil, but it's kind of evil. The thought of, comes up of the end of the con conversation. 
So conversing with evil until there isn't any anymore. That that wish that there would that we wouldn't have to do this forever is a little bit evil. It kind of undermines the conversation. Like when is this going to be over? I th I've had enough of this conversation. I'm on the verge of losing my patience. Buddha activity is accepting that, accepting that this conversation may never end, the conversation with evil. It isn't just accepting it, it's accepting working with it. It's accepting responding to it appropriately. I don't want to get too specific, but um, somebody said to me last Sunday <clears throat> uh, in California, <clears throat> after a Dharma talk I gave, as somebody I'd met before, he came up to me after the Dharma talk and he said, is there anything you want to ask me? <laughs> and I said, um, yeah, do you have any feedback on the Dharma talk? And he said, you've given better ones. <laughs> and then he said, um, <clears throat> uh, I don't know if it's right away, but then he said, um, this place is called Green Gulch Farm. It's a Zen center. Why do you call it Green Gulch Farm? And... Um, I gave him some story about why we call it Green Gulch Farm. But today I'd like to say that um, there's this situation of, <clears throat> of uh, what do you call it, uh, lots of processed foods in this country um, that have uh, lots of sugar in them. And um, uh, children eat this sugar and get addicted to it and get sick because they're eating so much sugar. So I could say, which I didn't to him, we call it a farm because we're responding to this evil situation of people trying to make money by getting children addicted to sugar through processed foods and advertising around the processed food, you know, putting cute little faces on the packages and stuff to get the kids addicted to this, this sugar which with no, with no uh, fiber. So it just gets directly converted into fat and they get sick. So now we have a little kids with adult onset diabetes. And we have these people who are selling it to them and promoting it to make money. It looks like evil. How can we face this evil with compassion and come up with an appropriate response? I'm not saying that having an organic farm is an appropriate response. But 
one could see it that way, that we have a place where we give people food that's not addictive. And when there's no uh, little cute faces on the packages. <laughs> and, if, uh, and even in the school cafeterias, if they actually have broccoli in one place in the cafeteria, and then they have candy bar right next to it, most of the kids will choose the candy bar. We need to bring compassion to that situation. I don't know how we're going to do it, but I'm trying to do it right now. And also, at Green Gulch Farm, we're growing vegetables. <clears throat> and, um, but still, how do we encourage the kids to eat the vegetables? How do we help them wake up to how delicious they are without putting sugar on them, etc. So many, so many things like that are in our life. They're all calling for compassion and, and, we, and maybe we want to respond with compassion and I'm just reminding us to remember stillness along with remembering that we're being called for compassion. In other words, it isn't, it, isn't, it isn't my compassion that I'm doing. I'm being called to compassion. That's not mine. That's our compassion. So I want to remember stillness while I hear the call, and the call can look like evil calling me. And stillness also, if I can remember stillness, stillness helps me remember what the call is. But this is very challenging world we live in. And that's some words I offer to you to live in this world and to um, enter Buddha's work, Buddha's activity, Zazen. I heard his time, so I just want to mention a brief reminiscence, which is that um, New York City is a big city, and it's quite famous in the, throughout the world. And so even people who don't grow up here can have deep feelings about New York. I'm one of those people. And um, <clears throat> I first came to New York in this lifetime in 1973 and went uh, out on Long Island to take care of a little zendo in Southampton, Long Island. I met Diane at that time, started practicing Buddha's activity there with her. And then um, and I've come back several times since, and I was remembering that it, about 10 years ago, or maybe a little bit more, I came to Brooklyn. I'd been to Brooklyn before, but mostly just passing through. And I went to Brooklyn, and I think I went to um, a little zendo where uh, Greg and Laura and Ian lived. Is that right? A little zendo in one of these houses. Where the, was it on Park Slope? 
Yeah. And at the same time, this, this space was being kind of renovated, and I came over and saw it in process. Is that right? You took me over here? Yeah. I saw it kind of being put together. And it's been about 10 years. So congratulations to this, to this Sangha on 10 years in this space, and now a new phase of, uh, in your Sangha of having a place out in the country where you can go and um, practice compassion with sugar. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.